So we're recording. Brilliant. So if you want to put yourselves on mute, like we were saying, that would be smashing and brilliant. Thank you very much. A few quick notices. Margaret Moffat's having her operation, probably as we speak, for a cataract uh, at the Elliot. So it would be good that it's all done and dusted today for us, so we can pray for her. House groups meeting this Monday on Zoom at 8.15. Thank you very much, like I've said before, for praying for Jill and I over these uh, last few weeks and, well, months and years, really, I know. But uh, thank you very much. Uh, there's a lot still to do in the next week. On a week on Tuesday, we've got uh, an interview with Elim. Uh, about the same time, I've got to finish my portfolio. But I've still got another six months of doing reports and regular reading and attending things. So it's sort of most of it's done, but there's still other things that are carrying on. So thank you very much for the prayer for the next few weeks. So if you were... Uh, if you get a practical, a physical, that's the word I'm after, a physical copy of the Onwards, you'll have got that on Friday. Otherwise, you'll get it in the digital version on Tuesday. We're going to be taking communion together next Sunday. So I'll remind you about it during the week. But just to sort of say, yeah, if you have your elements ready, that will be marvellous and brilliant. Last thing is breakout rooms at the end so we can have a, a, a chat and see how we're all getting on with each other. Stop if you can. Welcome everybody. Um, the sun's shining. Yeah, I wasn't expecting the sun to be shining today. So this, this is making me smile. I'm, I'm very happy. Um, let's, let's join together. That's the reason we're here. And let's give praise to God. Let's recognise who he is. Let's be ready to listen and hear what he has to say to us today. God, we thank you that we are able to meet together, albeit not together. Lord, thank you that in with you all things are possible and we don't have to have any limitations on thinking about having to be in the same room or, well, anything really. God, you are able to blow our minds with the way that you can work and can do things when the world says it's impossible. Lord, we know that we are living with, we are meeting with, we are in relationship with the God of the impossible. Lord, we know that you are awesome, you are majestic, you are just the most amazing God. And we thank you that we can uh, be here together and with you this morning. Lord, will you come and speak to us and yeah, give us each that nugget that is just for us today. Thank you for your generosity and your goodness in everything that you give to us. Amen. Amen. So usual sort of uh, Zoom service this morning. We're going to have some singing. We're going to have some um, praying. We're going to uh, be listening to the word. Uh, let, let's see what God has for us today. Um, we're going to start with a, a video song. And after this, Fiona is going to bring the prayers to us. Um, but let's join together in singing. He's coming on the clouds.
our Father in heaven, seated on your throne, we come to you, clothed in Jesus' righteousness, and thank you that you ask us to pray to you. Thank you, God, for all the answered prayer in NCF that encourages us to trust you and keep going. Thank you for the good news from Paul's family, Edwin's continuing good results and Paul's stable condition. We continue to pray for them and for Kathy and Jeff and for Naomi and her family and for all those with health problems. This morning, we pray for your plans and purposes to be carried out. We pray this over the COVID virus. We ask that you keep us safe as a church, that you will watch over our young people at school and college, that you would keep those safe who continue to go to work. Please have your hand on Margaret this morning. Fill her with your peace and joy, and may the operation go well. We pray for your plans with the potential vaccine. Please give wisdom to all those in the chain of its future administration. It seems nothing is simple for us, God, but we pray you will bring about good because you are good. God, we pray for those who are suffering with mental health problems due to COVID. Please help those who help others to have the inspiration and knowledge of what to do. We pray that your church, including us, will step up to be open to your promptings to care for people and demonstrate your love. We pray for local and national councillors and politicians. Have mercy on us, a country that has strayed so far from your ways. As decisions are made for Brexit, for relationships with other countries, we pray that integrity, love, and care will be the drivers within those meetings. Where there are Christian leaders, give them boldness and courage to stand up for what is right. God, we thank you that Jacob has got the job we were praying for. We lift up those who have been made redundant, who are furloughed, who are losing money due to lockdown. Again, we ask for wisdom for our leaders on how to deal with the country's economy. Father, we pray for Jill and John. Thank you for their faithfulness and hard work over this last year with all its challenges. We pray that John will continue to order his hours well so that he will finish his portfolio on time and that he may know you more and more. Father, thank you that you know the circumstances and situations around every person in this world. Lord, we ask for your comfort and encouragement towards all those suffering because of their faith in you. Help us not to become so inward looking that we forget to pray for them. We pray for the organisations who bring help and relief and ask for your wisdom and for miraculous answers to their prayers. As we face a new week, may we remember you are seated on your throne. Your mercies are new every day. You give us the daily strength we need 
and that you are worthy of all our praise. Amen. Amen. Thank you. We're going to continue and give uh, God some of that praise and uh, we'll, we're going to sing, we're going to sing and then we're going to have a video and after that Alan is going to bring our Bible reading for us. Thanks very much. But let's start by singing My Soul Finds Rest in God Alone. Merciful. 
Reading today from 2 Chronicles 20, verses 1 to 12, from the NLT Bible. War with surrounding nations. After this, the armies of the Moabites, Ammonites, and some of the Mennonites declared war on Jehoshaphat. Messengers came and told Jehoshaphat, the vast army from Edom is marching against you from on beyond the Dead Sea. They are already at Hazan Tamar. This was another name for En Gedi. Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news and begged the Lord for guidance. He also offered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard at the Temple of the Lord. He prayed, O Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. Oh, our God, did you not drive out those who lived in this land when your people Israel arrived? And did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? Your people settled here and built this temple to honor your name. They said, whenever we are faced with any calamity, such as war, plague or famine, we can come to stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honoured. We can cry out to you to save us and you will hear us and rescue us. And now see what the armies of Ammon, Moab and Mount Seir are doing. We would not let our ancestors invade those nations when Israel left Egypt. So they went around them and did not destroy them. Now see how they reward us, for they have come to throw us out of your land, which you gave us as an inheritance. Oh, our God, won't you stop them? You are, we are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Alan. Right. Our next uh, uh, in our series of talks on listening in is uh, going to be John again this morning. So I'll just hand over to you. Thank you. Jehoshaphat was the fourth king of the southern kingdom of Judah. And he reigned for 25 years. He was a pretty good king for most of his reign, which happened around about 870, 850 or so BC. And if you want to, you can read about his reign in 2 Chronicles chapter 17 to chapter 21 and in 1 Kings chapter 22. We heard from what Alan read then in the reading that he and his country were being attacked. Now, of course, there are often battles in the sort of Near East between the different nations at this time, but Jehoshaphat and his people were in peril. Three nations were coming against them and all of them from the other side of the Dead Sea, from the east side. The report said that they were in Engedi, and that's a place close to the west of the Dead Sea. That meant that the enemy had already crossed the border into Judah. They were already in their own country. I googled how long it might take to get from Engedi to Jerusalem, because that's what you do nowadays. And Jerusalem was where Jehoshaphat was. And it said 68 minutes. So I thought, OK, 2,800 years ago, it wasn't 68 minutes, but it would have been a few hours. The enemy was close. If I'd have been Jehoshaphat, perhaps my first reaction would have been anger towards God. You don't know, you don't need to say how you felt. I'm just being honest with you, because what Alan said at the beginning, I think, or at least in my version, it says after this. So all what Alan read was after something. 
So if we look at chapter 19, that's the after this bit. This is the this of, uh, uh, of what was going on. And you'll see in chapter 19 that Jehoshaphat was being a godly king, a king who was choosing to follow God because his father, King Asa, was not a good king, really. He did some good things, but towards the end of his life, he, he was doing wrong things, evil things even. And so when Jehoshaphat became king, he turned the country back to God. He turned the country back into fear in the Lord. Surely that's not a good thing, that something bad would happen to someone who was doing something really good. Surely, if he was like a king of Israel, who were mainly sort of bad and evil and doing wrong things, taking people away from God, then you'd imagine people uh, would be attacking them because that would be okay in our minds, wouldn't it? And 150 years later after Jehoshaphat, that's what happened to Israel, the northern kingdom. They were taken away into exile by the Assyrians. And we'd think that was okay, perhaps, because they were doing terrible things. And so if terrible things happen to terrible people, surely that's okay. It's not, though, is it? God is so above how we feel and how we think. Real tragedy, sorrow and even devastation touches all of us in different ways. And we know it's going to continue touching all of us, even if we live really pure, holy, godly lives. We know we're not immune from things that are difficult. And it's the prayer that Alan read in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 that shows us a great way to handle awful situations. Most of you have probably heard of Jim Packer, and he was a brilliant evangelical theologian who was 93 when he died in July this year. He said this, if in suffering we ask why this is happening, we may not find an answer. But if we change the question to how we can glorify God in this suffering, we'll find an answer. It's all to do with wisdom and perspective. I know in my life that if I'm sort of trying to worship God despite hard things, difficult things, then I'm doing the right thing because God created us to honour him and to put him first. So as we do that in even difficult situations, we know that's a good thing. But of course, Jehoshaphat, he was the king. He was the king of Judah and he would have wanted to be seen to be strong in the eyes of his people. And his people would have expected answers from him. They might have thought, well, we've been training all these years for war and things. What's, what's God, what's his Jehoshaphat rather, wanting us to do? What military manoeuvres will we do? What weapons should we use? What are we going to do to protect our children and our women from being raped and murdered? In front of everyone, Jehoshaphat took an unexpected form of leadership. He showed humility. I've read lots of biographies of political leaders over the years because I'm ever so interested in that kind of thing. And what I've found is, and military leaders as well, what I've found is most leaders crave power. And then they try to purge others who might try to attempt to seize that power from them. And, you know, they don't want to just to be uh, in charge of what's going on. They want to be seen to be in charge of what's going on. Jehoshaphat showed humility. But Jesus showed the greatest level of humility. You probably remember these words from Philippians chapter 2. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing 
by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Jehoshaphat knew who was in charge, and it wasn't him. He knew God was in charge. And just like all the great prayers of the Bible that we've been reading and thinking about over these last few weeks, the person praying is admitting that they themselves are limited in some way, but God is unlimited in every way. The king's beautiful order, I think, to his people was that they should humble themselves before God too. Have you humbled yourself before God recently? How did you do that? We have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us, Jehoshaphat said. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. You don't expect a king to say things like that. But he had a super relationship with God. He didn't want to try and elevate himself to a superior place. All Jehoshaphat wanted to do was elevate God to his proper place. And the person who wrote their book of Hebrews said something very similar. If you sort of remember Hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 and 3, I'm going to read it from the New Century Version. It says this. We are surrounded by a great cloud of people whose lives tell us what faith means. So let us run the race that is before us and never give up. We should remove from our lives anything that would get in the way and the sin that so easily holds us back. Let us look only to Jesus, the one who begun, who began our faith and makes it perfect. He suffered death on the cross, but he accepted the shame as if it were nothing because of the joy that God put before him. And now he is sitting at the right hand of God's throne. Think about God, uh, Jesus' example. He held on while wicked people were doing evil things to him. So do not get tired and stop trying. Let us look only to Jesus, the writer said. He didn't write that, of course, that's in English. But in Greek, he wrote Apario. And when I looked it up this, this week, it's got a great meaning. It says to turn the eyes away from other things and to fix them on something. So it shows that if you're considering something attentively and making a decision not to look at anything else, it's a decision from looking at Jill over there to looking at all of you on the screen. It's saying to God, I might have good ideas, I might have good plans, but Lord, you've got the best plans. I'm looking to you. And after Jehoshaphat prayed, all the men, the women and the children of Judah all stood silently before the Lord because they were agreeing with their king. We don't know what to do either. This problem isn't going to go away. In fact, something drastic is going to happen very soon. But we're waiting on you, God. We're focusing our attention on you because you are our God. You are our Lord. You are our saviour. And we're not looking to elsewhere for our help. Even to ourselves, we're not looking. We're totally focused on you. We've mentioned Daniel recently and how he prayed while he was in exile. You all know he had three friends. This is Daniel 3, 16 to 18 from the NLT. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, 
that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. It's exactly the same, being focused on God, even though difficult things were imminently going to happen to them. We know that God did rescue those three friends and God did rescue Judah. He did it in a supernatural way. And of course, if you want to make some time to read about it over the following chapters, 21, 22 or so, you can just be delighted with what God does. Making Jesus Lord of your life isn't a one-off decision. It's an everyday decision. We show by our words and our actions whether God is in control of our lives or whether we've taken control of our lives again. Looking to God shouldn't, should be an everyday occurrence for followers of Jesus. So what about letting our actions and our words show to others that we look to God. Jehoshaphat did this in front of all his people and we can decide today in front of our friends and our families to decide to act in that same way too. Yes, let's let's do that. Um, we're going to just sing a quick song and then John will come back with part two.
got a question for you all. Now, of course, you can't answer me verbally. So do you want to just practice nodding your head or, or shaking your head? Just to make sure you know that's all. You're all very good at nodding and shaking. Well done. That's great. OK, here's the question. Can you remember what you were doing on the 16th of September 2001? Have a think about it. OK, bit of shaking, bit of nodding, but mainly it's shaking. Shall I just help you a little bit more just to pinpoint what was going on? It was a Sunday. Any more nodding or shaking? Doesn't help very much? OK. I remember it clearly. Now, of course, that doesn't help you at all. But five days earlier, 2,977 people had been killed in America, with several more thousand injured. And the majority of the people remember that Tuesday morning as 9-11. I was leading worship the first Sunday after 9-11 at Manor Court. That was the 16th September 2001. You don't sing Praise My Soul, the King of Heaven on a Sunday like that, do you? You don't, think, you don't sing, oh Lord my God, how great thou art. 3,000 people have just died a few days before. I started that service by reading 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verses 1 to 13. We don't know what to do, Lord. But our eyes are on you. And then we prayed a lot. And the atmosphere was very different to a normal Sunday morning service. Even this week, I looked at a couple of videos about 9-11 and just saw some of the difficult and terrible things that happened on that day. And it just reminded me again that we don't know what to do but her eyes are on you. The trouble is, for me, and maybe for you, it's the big things in life when I say, Lord, I'm coming to you. I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. And it's not small things. I'm sorry to say I'm too self-reliant. And that's all to do with pride. Thinking I can do things in my own strength. Jehoshaphat and all his people would have greatly feared the three nations that were uniting to fight against them. They knew they were goners unless they came up with a brilliant plan. The enemy was real. And Judah's possible servitude to them was real too. But there was someone with a capital S who they feared more than the enemy. That was only hours away. And that someone, of course, is God. Fearing God is a healthy attitude to have. And in chapter 19, I referred to it earlier, but you often read the phrase, the fear of the Lord. And all it means is, is to be in awe of God that would deeply respect in his power and authority over us. And the reforms that Jehoshaphat had earlier carried out formed a good basis for the people to respect God and to put him at the centre of their lives. The king started his prayer by recognising who God is. Now, if Nick was speaking this morning, he'd be saying this. Does that sound like the Lord's Prayer to you? Of course it is. Jehoshaphat's prayer is just like the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples around 900 years later. There's something in this, isn't there? God's got it all in control. 
God knows what's going on. All we need to do is put him first. Re believe in him. Rely on him. Lord, this is the NIV. Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand and no one can withstand you. Our Father who art in heaven. He then goes on to describe what God has done in the past for Judah and for his chosen people. God had created a formal covenant with them. And over half of the prayer consists of glorifying God for his character and then worshipping him for his past actions. Jehoshaphat was putting his faith and trust in God in a time of immense danger for Judah. But he knew from history that God is alive and keeps his promises. He knew that God was, would see his, through, his people through danger again. I don't know about you, but I've watched many episodes of Dad's Army. It's a great programme. I really like it. And for most of those episodes, if something alarming is about to happen or is, in, or is happening, Lance Corporal Jones says, don't panic, don't panic, don't panic. Do you remember? He's really panicking as he's saying to everyone, don't panic, don't panic. Jehoshaphat wasn't like that. Jehoshaphat wasn't just saying words. He had his relationship with God. He wasn't saying to the people, put God first. And he was doing something different in his own life. As far as what I read from the Bible, he was putting God first. And then he said to his people, you should put God first too. God knows what's going to happen. God knows we can trust him. We all come in dangerous things and trials and hard things in our life. We don't have to run around like Jonesy saying, don't panic. We can just say, Lord, I can be with you. Things are difficult for many people at the moment, but we can trust God. Our relationship is such for all of us that we know we can trust him. It's just like when we're in trouble, sometimes we'll ring a friend up or we'll talk to a, a, a relative or someone that we trust. We know who to ring up, don't we? We know who's going to help us. We don't sort of go five doors down and knock on a stranger's door and say, can you help me? We might sometimes if there's something terrible happening and there's no one else you can get. But generally... We ask for help from people who we know. Perhaps God is saying, come to me. All you are heavy laden. I'm going to give you rest. Paulus Tarsus wrote this to the church in Rome. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. It might be that over the next few months, you or someone close to you are going to face difficult trials. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Covid has caused pain and anguish and distress to millions of people around the world and maybe to you as well. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. In the next few days, 
a good friend might say something or do something that seems totally out of character and it's going to affect you. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. On Friday morning, a few of us met on Zoom to pray from the UK. And of course, it was something that was organised by the Evangelical Alliance. So thousands of other people about the country were doing it as well. And part of what we read was Psalm 46. Here's a few verses from Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with that surging. God says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be, I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Jehoshaphat was strong and courageous because he knew about God and trusted him. Scores of other people in the Bible have known that too. And some of them we've mentioned over the last few weeks. I want to be more God-reliant and less self-reliant. I want to see God working in his greatness in your lives too. We're at a crossroads as a church, like most churches in this country. In the coming months, we're going to be returning to doing physical services and activities in our building at some time in some way. We don't know about it yet, do we? But I don't want us to return and do the very things we were doing nine months ago. That would be really dangerous. Because we've all moved on. We can't return to what we were doing nine months ago. Because we're different. The world is different. And so we have to trust God as our refuge and our strength for today. And not just rely on how we've trusted him in the past. Someone prayed earlier, I've forgotten who it was, that his mercies are new every morning. That's such a challenge. Are we ready to accept God's new mercies for today? Or do you want to rely on old mercies? God, we don't know the details of what we should do. We trust you. Our eyes are on you because you are our refuge and strength. So, Lord, that's what we pray. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us through so many years, all of us, of knowing you. But, Lord, we know that these days are different days to before. We want to rely on you and on your strength and your authority for the days we find ourselves in now. We don't know what to do individually. We don't know what to do collectively as a group of believers. But we say our eyes are on you, living God. Amen. Brilliant. Jehoshaphat was in awe of God um, and this next song the words um, remind me of being in awe of God and and so that's uh, let's sing this with that in mind knowing what um, how Jehoshaphat was and how we want to be like him and, and trust him in in everything when we don't know what to do. Rejoice. 
son to save us you have the answer to anything we can ask and God we can trust in you and look to you in all circumstances God we pray that as we live our lives this week other people looking at us will be able to see that you are the Lord because of what they see in us God, we want to be living, breathing examples and ambassadors of who you are, God. Let your influence in our lives be a light to shine to everyone around us and help us to be shining that light in every possible way. God, lead us and guide us, we pray, for your glory. Amen. Amen. Amen.